Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. First and foremost, we'll get into baseball for anyone in the Southeast. Hope you and your families and friends are well with Hurricane Adalia moving through the southeast in the Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday portion of the week here. So hopefully everyone is safe there. And Matt, at the salesman over on X, we're coming up on a very important day. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, it may actually be the day in question. So Matt, before we get into talking about the importance of September 1st, how is everything going for you? Everything is good. Uh, glad to see that you and all of our FA colleagues uh, that are in the Southeast, including uh, Justin Freeland, James Grande is down there. Um, I'm sure we have a couple others. I'm, I'm forgetting. Uh, Dan Malin's in Atlanta. Um, glad to see you all are doing all right so far with the storm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good. It is kind of the home stretch of the baseball season here at this point, right? Where we've got basically a month left and some teams are streaking in the right directions and some teams are streaking in the wrong directions. Uh, I think we all know who the main one there is, <laughs> but it, th this is a very interesting time of year for baseball. And it's on, on many different things, both in reality and in fantasy, it seems like we're going to get some, a little bit of an infusion of young talent coming up here as the rosters expand on September 1st. That is the notable that's the notable date that we're talking about here. September 1st, rosters expand. And one would think for many teams that we are going to actually see these guys play a good bit. You know, earlier in the year when the Mets were calling up prospects left and right and just to leave them on the bench, which was to the dismay of many. Don't think that's going to be the case for some teams here. But of course, this is the second edition of the week. We'll go down on the farm with Matt Sells here in just a little bit. But before we talk about the prospects, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, at this point, we need to get one of these, a third grid here and just put the Angels logo because they're a recurring guest on the show because we talk about them darn near every single episode. And today is no different. They went in at the deadline and basically went, well, this didn't work. Otani's hurt. He's not pitching. We need to kind of get what we presume is get under the luxury tax to try to lessen some of the ramifications there. So they just put half the team on waivers. So these guys, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but these guys can be claimed and can be used for postseason yeah. runs correct. if they want and include the notable names that we're going to talk here, really Randall Gritchick, Hunter Renfro, and Lucas G. Alito. 
So yeah, what, though I yeah. will say I don't remember if the rule about having to be on a forty-man roster by September first to be el- to be postseason eligible is still in play. They've changed some of those rules around, so that would be the only uh, hiccup I would see. But yeah, for fifty thousand dollars to the Angels, you could get any one of these these guys. So I had a I had a vigorous debate with one of our subs in the MLB discord channel the other day when the news broke um you know a lot of people want the owner fired and yes i mean you can't fire the owner but you know what i mean to sell the team right and he did appear to look to sell the team this offseason until no viable options were around and then he said no i'll just keep it but and I understand people's frustration that they've had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani for several years, and they've only ever gotten Trout to the playoffs once, and Shohei's never been to the playoffs. But is that really grounds to fire or make an owner sell a team? Like, if we're if we're legitimately talking about, well, the, the you have to make the playoffs a certain number of times in a certain number of years. Then every owner in the league would have to would have to sell their team after five years. Like, if the rule is, oh, you have to try to win championships, then you put money into your team and try to win the, the titles, which is what he's done. Has it worked out? No, that's a hundred percent true. It has not worked out. The Rendon signing turned out to be a disaster. But did anybody see that coming? The guy came off a great year in 2019. He was never that injured with the Nationals. So, you know, it hasn't worked. But as I pointed out to the sub, like, then the Mariners should have been forced to sell when they didn't win a championship when they had Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, Edgar Martinez and, you know, all of those guys on one roster. How about the Braves who only won one World Series with Maddox and Clavin and Smoltz and Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones and Fred McGriff was on those rosters. So, look, they still have exclusive rights to negotiate with Otani. They know his situation. They know how to rehab him since they've already rehabbed him once from a Tommy John. Do they keep him? I don't know. Does that make this year's decision the wrong decision? No, I don't think so. And when you look at it too, if you're going to play the game of if you don't make a playoff appearance in X years, the owner GM say they got a clean house or something. I'm looking at it over here. There are Yankees have one title in 23 years, but they make the playoffs. So Cashman's okay. Yeah, and then they get swept by the same team four years in a row. <laughs> True, unless they play the Twins, then they'll win. Right. That's the only that's the only caveat there is if they get the the twins or the Mariners in the yep. playoffs. But when, you look, when you look at it, we have seven teams in baseball that have not made a playoff or their their last playoff appearance was 2018 or earlier. And we're looking at like the Diamondbacks, Rangers, Orioles, Royals, Pirates, Angels, Tigers. A couple of those teams. Sure, I get it. But when you look there, there'd be such an interesting debate to go around that, too, because would owners the trade deadline wouldn't would probably not be as fun anymore because no one would be inclined to tank because no one's going to take that risk of, Hmm, if I trade off, if I'm the Orioles, I trade off my best player here. And then I don't make it the next two years. 
yeah, I now I the team. Yeah, like that's that that but, just wouldn't happen. So like, yeah, you can't fire the owner. I mean, it it it's one of those. It's one of the also, things. Also, who's going to want to invest? Who's going to want to invest in the sport if you have that much ownership turnover? The guys that yeah. are investing in baseball do, and sports teams in general do it because it's a safe investment, right? Look at um, the last guy who owned the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Bought it for a few hundred million dollars, like $500 million. Sold it for a couple billion. You can't get that turnover. And, by the way, I believe still owns the rights to the parking lots. So he's still making money <laughs> off the team. Well, and, um, and think about it this way, too. Let's say Tigers... Tigers and Angels have the longest playoff drought. Let's say the Tigers, the owner, they have to sell because they haven't made the playoff in next year's. If you're an owner coming in, do you want to take the chance of trying to get this Tigers team to the playoff in five years? I I understand they got some talent there. Like I like it's not like the the worst situation around, but like you know what I mean. Like you're right. coming in. Is, is that would that really be a safe investment? Because you could be looking down the barrel of every day is one day closer to your last if you can't turn things around with Detroit. Or they come in and they say, we're just going to get rid of all this young talent, try to get major league talent, buy ourselves a playoff appearance to basically reset my clock. If that doesn't work, is that next owner going to want to come in for a crappy team? No. With no I mean, that's what Dave Dombrowski's made his career on as a GM and, ba- and president of baseball ops. He trades all the young talent to get major league superstars to make the playoff run. Look what happened in Detroit when he did it. He had a Hall of Fame rotation and got swept by the O's, right? Then he did the same thing in Boston, didn't really work out, and now they've had to rebuild the farm system, and now he's doing it again in Philadelphia. So, you know, as the debate continued, I pointed out that, you know, the, the teams that win are the ones that develop and sign talent. Like, everybody gives credit for the Dodgers having a boatload of money. But who did they actually really sign to that roster? Hmm. Betts and Freeman are basically the only two high-profile trades slash free agent, right? Max Muncie is a stud. Okay, they got him off waivers from a team he washed up from. Chris Taylor has been helpful. He failed two other spots before they picked him up. Cody Bellinger was a homegrown talent. They replaced him with James Outman, who is a homegrown talent. Will Smith is a homegrown talent. Most of their rotation is homegrown. So we're going to like Lance Lynn. They traded yeah. for right. We're going to we're going to be talking about the same thing for years to come with Baltimore. Like when you look at that core, it's all a young nuclei right. that they built in house. Yeah, and the Dodgers now have the deepest farm system in baseball. So if they want to go make a key piece, like go trade for a piece they don't have. They can do it and not hurt themselves. You don't build championship rosters, as Steve Cohen is finding out, by spending obscene amounts of money, watching it fail, and then having the fans get pissed because you spent money and you still didn't get anything. At least Artie Moreno is spending money. He's trying. It's not working out because they need a new player development staff. They need a new scouting staff. They need – I don't know if they need another new GM. That guy's in an impossible – Perry Maniason's in an impossible spot. He's doing better with the same roster that the other guy who's now failing in New York didn't do anything with, so I don't know. Yeah, and with a guy like Dombrowski, too, he basically 
he's going to leave you in a bad spot. It's kind of like it's, it's relatable to college football since that's kind of going on right now. But when you bring Urban Meyer in as a head coach, not talking about Jackson, we're talking about college Urban, yep. you're going to win and you're going to be good. And then he's going to leave you in a really bad spot. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just how it is. Did it at Utah, did it at Florida, did it at Ohio State to some extent. Um, more so Florida than Ohio State, really. But that's what it comes down to. So it's interesting to see. We'll see if some of these playoff droughts can get snapped. I don't believe for teams like the Tigers, Angels, Pirates, Royals, that will be occurring. But Baltimore, mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. and Arizona. Well, maybe Texas. I don't know. Well, they, true. The real Rangers. The third in the AOS now. Yeah, but that's one of those things where if they win three in a row, another team wins three in a row. They're th- this whole thing is going to be like tight. a horse yes, race. They're all within like a yeah. game of each other. So most fun. That'll be the most fun division to watch down by yep. far. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes here the rest of the way. But Matt, let's go ahead. Let's go down on the farm with Matt Sells here again. Rosters expand September first. Um, so if you're listening to this, the 31st, the rosters will expand tomorrow. If it's the first and you're listening to this, rosters have expanded today. So couple couple already news breaks that we got. They must have known we'd be recording here on Thursday morning-ish, so they wanted to give us a couple pieces to talk about. Let's go to New York because that's where kind of the biggest ones are. Let's start with the Mets. Ronnie Mauricio has finally come up. Yeah, it's taken a little while longer than I think Mets fans and he would have liked it. They were clamoring for him in June. I mean, they've been clamoring him. Well, clamoring for him for a while, <laughs> to be honest. At least in 2023. I think most June. people wanted him up over Vientos, but like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so a guy like a guy like Mauricio, you know, you look his, his overall speed grade doesn't jump off the charts, but he's racked up stolen bases here the past couple of years in the minors. Hits the ball really, 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 really hard. What can fantasy manager expect from Mauricio? Is he a must-add? I know I'll be talking about him a little bit later, but what's kind of your forecast on Mauricio, mainly for the rest of 2023? So for the rest of 2023, you know, all of these guys you have to take sample size into account, right? Are all of them coming up and getting immediate full-time starter playing time? Probably not, unless an injury pops up or they find creative ways to get them in the lineup. So we're talking about numbers with a grain of salt here. Right. If we want to pare it down, can you expect one month's numbers from a full season at his best? Probably a little below that. Right. Like, I think he can get you a few homers. I think he can get you uh, some steals when he plays and a decent batting average, although the sample size is so small that it's not really going to affect your team, especially in Roto, because you have so many other at bats already added through the whole season that his you know, less than a hundred probably isn't going to help you. Um, but going forward, I think he's incredibly exciting. I think he's, he, he'll give you a, a little bit of everything, right? You can get average from him. You can get on base percentage. He has a nice um, approach at the plate. We're talking about a guy who's easily a 2020 middle infielder here for the Mets. If he gets full-time playing time, which again, going forward might be a little tough to figure out because they do have Francisco Lindor locked in long-term Jeff McNeil signed what a four year contract extension this off season, I think. Um, so he's at second for the foreseeable future. So they'll, they'll have to get creative. Maybe they move McNeil to first base. If they trade Pete Alonzo, 
I don't know. Maybe they move their, you know, Brett Batty or whoever the heck they want to move from third to first and put Mauricio there or McNeil there. And, you know, they'll have to get creative. So it's something to watch. But I, I would take a shot on it. If you needed like a spark plug type for the rest of the season, I would take a shot. And especially moving beyond 2023, I mean, hopefully we'll see it in 2023, but especially in 2024 with Lindor at short in most leagues, Mauricio is going to come up with shortstop eligibility. So you're at least going to get to put him there. At this point, I would love for the Mets to get creative and give him 10 starts at third, give him a couple appearances at second. I mean, shoot, put him at first. I don't care, but I would love. His arm is strong enough to play anywhere in in the infield. He could even move to potentially like left field if they really get him some starts in the out. I mean, could you imagine going into next year trying to talk about Mauricio? And I mean, like you said, at his ceiling, he can be a 2020 guy, decent batting average with at least for 2024 shortstop third slash second, and maybe even outfield eligibility. That's massive. Yeah. So it's one thing to watch, certainly watch what the Mets do this off season with their roster, because they're bound to get creative somewhere. If the reports about Pete Alonso are true, that opens first base. And I would imagine they would try to fill it with a homegrown guy. I think um, <laughs> I think Cohen is tired of paying people not to play for him. Mm. So uh, it's certainly something to watch going into next year. And then right across town with the New York Yankees, they're bringing up some prospects. They're bringing up Jason Dominga, Jason Derulo, whatever you want to call him. They are bringing him up, the Martian, who is basically – what was what was what was the thing they said? It was like the the Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle, Bo Jackson hybrid was Dominguez or is yes. Dominguez? Um, let's talk about him first because obviously the power is big. Martian's such a cool nickname. It is a sweet. There nickname. is some. I don't know if it's just me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like for a guy who hasn't come up yet, I already have some prospect fatigue with Dominguez because I feel like we've been talking about him since like 2005 and. He's now finally here. His numbers were good in the minors. He's done a lot. Like, he's been very productive. But it's like, yeah. I don't remember a time recently that, like, personally, I've had prospect fatigue with a guy who has not even played a major league game yet. And it's like, I'm already kind – I'm not sick of hearing about it. I'm really excited to see him. But it's like, we've been hearing about this dude for so long. Yeah, agreed. Um, as a prospect writer, you know – when he was in the international signing class and the Yankees gave him basically the state of New York to sign him. Um, there was every, you know, every comp imaginable was out there. You said it, Mike Trout. He's the next Mickey Mantle, who by the way, Mike Trout was said to be the next Mickey Mantle and his numbers are almost identical. That's a different story. Uh, Bo Jackson was tossed in there. Dave Winfield's athleticism was talked, you know, was tossed in there. He could be a unicorn of an offensive player. Okay. How? Like, Eli De La Cruz is a unicorn. That guy is ridiculous. But I'm with you. Like, the, when he signed, he also didn't start playing right away because he was a little banged up or hampered. or Like, it took a little while to get him on the field. And then when they got him on the field, it seemed like it was a slow burn. Like, it was not – he hit the ground running and, like, went ballistic in his first games. He didn't. It was a slow burn. And he's been getting better. But his numbers, by the way, aren't, like – massively off the charts for a guy who was thought to be as soon as he signed a top five prospect in baseball. Like that's not been the case. Has he had good numbers? Yeah. A two sixty five average in the upper minors for a season. Pretty solid. I mean, can't not much. I'm going to bang on the guy for there. 
only 15 homers this year, right? It's for a guy who came up touting five plus grades, which by the way, he doesn't have, they've all been knocked down a little bit. Um, that's okay. It's not, it's not great. Now he does have 40 steals this year and he did have 37 last year, which is impressive, but I'm, I'm with you a little bit on the, on the fatigue part of Jason Dominguez. And I think it's a, he was the best guy in the signing period that year, which always gets some hype. Then he went to the Yankees, which is the biggest media team in the, in the league. And he's got a nickname coming in. You know, it's like LeBron with the chosen one coming into the NBA. Mm-hmm. By the way, you want to take a guess as to how tall Jason Dominguez is for a guy who's getting all these wild comps and has the nickname The Martian. You want to guess how tall he is? I mean. Given how tall the Yankees outfield typically is. I mean, you'd want to think, I know it's not the case, but you'd, you'd assume he's at least I mean, you'd want to assume he's at least 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", and I know that's not the case, but... He's 5'10". <laughs> so, I mean, I'm thinking, like, when you hear the Martian, I'm like, that's cool. That's probably, like, a 6'4", 240-pound like, middle Lakers, linebacker. Who's, like, tall, lanky, does everything. Like, he's a... Mar- or Shohei Otani's a Martian. because I think of that does. photo with, like, Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve standing together at second base. Exactly. And it's like this. But, nope, Dominguez is... Five, I mean, 10. Joey Gallo got off the bus with the Yankees when he was traded there and said he felt small in that outfield. Yeah. <laughs> What's Dominguez going to feel? Very small. Yeah. But definitely, he's at the very least, he's still a guy that you want to pick up, spark plug, get a little bit of power, a little bit of speech, help you out. And if you play in OBP leagues, the one thing we've seen throughout every level of the minors. tremendous amount of walks. The power's kind of come and gone a little bit. It comes yeah. in waves. The average has, it's been relatively stable, but the most stable part of his game has been the walk rate. It's been double digits at each level. That's going to stay. So a little bit of a boost to him in OBP. And he's still young. Rates. He's not a oh, finished yeah. product by any means. Could he wind up being a 30-30 outfielder for the Yankees? I don't see any reason why that's not possible. Is it going to happen this or next year? No. Yeah, I think that's a that's a safe assumption. The Yankees also brought up one of their, I believe he's their top catching prospect in Yeah, he was Austin a first-round pick of theirs a couple of years ago. Yep. So he's a guy, I believe his offensive profile got a little bit better as he's kind of moved through the ranks. But what can we expect from him? Like the Yankees catching position, Pat, or I should say post Gary Sanchez has been, (laughs) well, during the end of Gary Sanchez's tenure, it was not great. And then after Gary Sanchez, I wouldn't say it's improved with the kind of the, the, uh, the pedestrian offensive profiles they've run behind the dish of late. What can Wells do? Is this really a showcase for him to begin the year as the backstop for 2024? Is this his, like, I guess his best opportunity to showcase that uh, potential? It certainly gives him a leg up in the competition, right? So between three levels this year, which I believe he started, yeah, he started the year injured. So he kind of started on a rehab assignment with mm-hmm. um, Class A. So most of his games have come at Somerset, which is double A, and Scranton Wilkes-Barre, which is triple A. And between those two stops, he's hitting in the mid-240s. He's got 17 homers in 96 games. Uh, Seven steals, which is decent, although I don't expect him to really steal in the the majors. He's got slightly below average speed in general, which is, I guess, good for a catcher. But you're still not going to want him to – 
you know, he's not a steel threat. He's not like a JT Rio Muto level um, stolen base threat. So I think this gives him a leg up. Um, I think he's got a pretty typical catcher's profile guy who you'd be happy if he hits 250, you'll settle for 240. He's got 20 homer, maybe 25 homer pop, get you a handful of steals. And that's, that's fine from a fantasy catcher. He's not like a Will Smith type. He's not an Adley Rutschman type. He is not a JT Rio Muto. He is somewhere in the bottom of that next tier. Point blank, last one I'll kind of talk about here. What more does Colt Keith have to do to get the call? Not play on the Tigers. <laughs> okay. I you mean, his only problem is that the Tigers suck. So there's not really – I mean, they're not going to start his clock if they bring him up now. But it seems to me that A.J. Hinch has brought with him the mindset from Houston, which is they don't – I mean, Houston didn't really call up their dudes terribly early. Right, if we think about it, like Jose Altuve got a pretty long burn in the minors. Bregman, well, I mean, they switched his position, but either way, you know, we we've seen them take their time, and that's what AJ Hinch came from. But I don't know because he's crushing baseballs in the upper minors this year. Colt Keith is um, hitting three fifteen, three eighty three, five fifty. Sorry, five sixty six in one hundred and five games with twenty three homers. Uh, I don't know. He and Michael Bush are like just hated on by their teams. Apparently yeah. like offensive minded middle infielders are just hated on by their teams, I guess. Yep. Yep. Well, head over to fantasyalarm.com. Check out Matt's prospect rankings and prospect report. A lot of good information over there. And if you aren't a subscriber, go ahead and try out all pro. You get a free seven day trial, get you access to our fantasy football draft guide and the cheat sheet. So you can dominate any upcoming drafts as well as get in our discord and chat with us there. So make sure you check that out. But Matt, real quick here, our superb and super significant statistic of the week. I'll go first. Ronald Acuna Jr., first Braves player to record five RBI and two stolen bases in a single game since RBI began being tracked in 1920. And overall, he's just the 23rd player in Major League Baseball history since 1920 to do that. Five RBI and two stolen bases in a single game. It's pretty shocking he's the first Brave to do that. I thought the 23 seemed a bit low for over 100 years of baseball, especially you know, with the running and, you know, the players now are just different. I definitely thought, I guess it is kind of a weird combination of like RBI and stolen bases, but definitely thought yeah, there'd be a little you, bit more than 23. I mean, I would agree. But if you look back at the players that the Braves have had, right. Like you'd expect Chipper to be capable of it. Andrew Jones, probably to be capable of it. Hank Aaron stole some bags. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Fred McGriff, the, the flipping crime dog. Like they've, they've had some, <laughs> Freddie Freeman has been capable of stealing bags. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's an interesting. Ozzy Albies hasn't done it yet. Like, <laughs> it's impressive. Uh, my stat uh, goes out to the school that's in my backyard, which is the University of Nebraska. They held a volleyball match at Memorial Stadium on Wednesday night, which is their football stadium. And they drew a world record crowd for a women's 
sporting event of 92,003 fans, and that place was nuts. If you go to X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, the socials, you'll find clips all over the place. They had the volleyball team do the tunnel walk like the football team usually does, and that was sick. I almost I almost went to the game, um, but right before I clicked book, the ticket price went up like 20 bucks a ticket. Mm-hmm. Right before my finger clicked sell, so like – it it was a little tough to swallow that. So, but shout out to the University of Nebraska for just a phenomenal event that was put on. And as we head into the weekend, we'll roll through our weekend streamers and waiver wire preview really quick. My weekend streamer Sunday against the Cardinals. You can get Johan Oviedo. He's available in over 80% of ESPN leagues. He's got 15 to two strikeout to walk ratio and two starts against the Cardinals this season. And he's got a 2.72 ERA over his last seven starts. And 10 of the 13 earned runs that he's allowed in that span came to -to back-to-back outings. More good than bad of late. And the scheduled Sunday starter for the Cardinals is Adam Wainwright, which means Pirates have a good chance of winning that baseball game. Matt, who is your weekend streamer? Mine goes to uh, my alma mater there, Jordan Wicks for the Cubs. Uh, His first start was spectacular, nine strikeouts in five innings. He gets the Reds on Friday which might sound daunting, but they're striking out nearly a quarter of the time against lefty since July 1. They're bottom five in weighted runs created plus at 83, which is well below league average. Um, and he just – his changeup is causing people to have fits. So, you know, I, I think that there's a pretty good shot of a win here with a nice t- tally of strikeouts. And then for the waiver wire, I talked about him already. Go pick up Ronnie Mauricio. He's got 23 homers, 24 stolen bases in 115 games at AAA while hitting 295 with a sub 20% strikeout rate. May even add a couple other positions to that eligibility by season's end. So take a look at Ronnie Mauricio. Matt, we've already talked about your waiver wire ad as well, but let's go ahead and hammer it again. Who's your guy? It's the Martian. It's Jason Domingo Dominguez. Almost, I got the two. That's going to be something. That's, that's coming. That's coming. That's going to be a thing, yes. along with the Martian. Yeah. Um, so go pick up the Martian. He's got 77 stolen bases in the last two minor league seasons. He'll get some pop. The Yankees are throwing everything against the wall at this point to see what the heck sticks. He'll get playing time. Absolutely. And that'll do it for this week's episode. So make sure you head over to FantasyAlarm.com if you're not already an all-pro subscriber. Check it out. You can get a free seven-day trial. Fantasy Football Draft Guide. The Cheat Sheet discord everything we got over there go check that out at fantasyalarm.com as well as all of our other great content we have going on over there give matt a follow on x at the salesman i'm at colby r conway and we will see you next week with the next edition of the fantasy alarm fantasy baseball podcast Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100. 
and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.